Grab your Bible this morning, church, if you would, and open it to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, and and then also to Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to move back and forth between those two places in God's Word. And and, and let me begin by asking you this morning, do you find yourself uh, sometimes tempted to take things for granted? I mean, we we all do. Uh, It is easy when we have so much to fall into the trap of, of taking so much for granted. It's kind of human nature. You know, one of the reasons that we every year here at MRCC send, send missions teams around the world is that once people experience the reality of the third world, it's harder to take things for granted. And for the rest of your life, you're more aware of the poor and of your ability to make a difference in their lives. That's part of what happens in, in missions meetings. But the, the truth is that all of us have this tendency to fall into the habit of taking a lot of stuff for granted. I was at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know, some restaurants you just can't help overhearing what's happening at the next table. And so I was sitting there, and, and I was listening to a couple of ladies talking, and, and I quickly realized that uh, they were a couple of relatives, I think they were sisters, and they had actually met uh, at this particular restaurant for lunch because they were planning to make a FaceTime call to some relatives in India. And once I kind of realized what was happening there, I stopped inadvertently eavesdropping and I started purposefully eavesdropping at that point because, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's not the kind of thing you hear all the time. I was by myself. And so, you know, they're talking about an upcoming wedding and making plans for travel and all this kind of stuff. And and actually what I quickly realized was that the goal of their lunch was that they were going to make this FaceTime call together to some family in India. And before I knew it, you know, they dial a couple numbers, bing, and up pops on the screen the faces of their family on the other side of the world. And they're talking to each other and they're going back and forth and it becomes apparent that actually the family over there is, lives in the mountains and, you know, the mountains in India are the Himalayas. And, and all of a sudden I realized, man, the people at the table next to me are having a multi-part conversation with video with family on the other side of the world. And I thought to myself, how amazing is that? And then about 10 minutes or so into the call, the signal dropped. Uh, They lost the connection and they couldn't get it back. And all of a sudden, the whole mood of the table changed. This stupid AT&T, the connection never works. You know, it's always dropping. And I listened to him for like the next 10 minutes complaining that they couldn't instantaneously connect by video to their family in the Himalayas. And I thought to myself, wow, how easily do we take things for granted? I mean, you were just, you were just talking face-to-face with people on the other side of the world. And, and probably in a few minutes, you're going to be doing it again just as soon as whatever glitch is gone. But all of a sudden... We're angry and frustrated and feeling entitled. And it got me to thinking about how that can happen in my life as well. I, uh, I came across a meme on Facebook this week that I thought sort of captured it. The meme is called Being 28. Being 28 in 2019, I'm not ready to be in a relationship. Be- being 28 in 1819, I have 14 kids, right? <laughs> being 28 in 1019, twas a good life. Thrice I had berries and once a pear. <laughs> How things change, right, over time. 
how easily we become entitled. I remember when Rhonda uh, came back from hiking the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier last summer, and you know, 10 days, 90 miles, living out of her backpack with her friend, and, and they just had a, a, an amazing adventure. And when she came back that first day, I remember her saying, do you know what is the most amazing, incredible, awesome invention in the world? No, I said, what? She said, toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper is from God, and we give thanks for toilet paper. You see, she had ceased to be entitled about some things. But how easily do we fall into that trap? And you know, the irony is that the more we become entitled, the more we take things for granted, the less happy we are, the less contented and satisfied and joyful we are. And John D. Rockefeller is a name that a lot of us will recognize, a wealthy man. In fact, when you adjust wealth for the time period in which you live, scholars tell us that John D. Rockefeller is still the most wealthy man in the modern era. Uh, as a function of percentage, way ahead of Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, whoever else you want to name. And yet, throughout his life, even to the very end, he was relentlessly focused on getting more, on making more. His whole ambition in life was more, more, more. A reporter once asked him, Mr. Rockefeller, how much more money do you think you need to be satisfied? And he responded famously and with seriousness, just a little more, just a little more. You're the most wealthy person in the modern era, and you want a little more. Human nature is to take things for granted, but the reality is that then that blocks the very goal for which we started pursuing things in the first place, which was contentment. And instead, we become entitled. God teaches us and calls us to a very different kind of life because he knows how we will really find contentment. He knows more than we do how we get there. And because of that, he has some very specific things to teach us about how we become contented. My wife uh, has a tag on her email at uh, Green River University where she works. And so anytime I get an email from her, I see this tag at the bottom of her email. I absolutely love it. I've been seeing it for, for years. And the tag says, gratitude turns what you have into enough. I love that. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content. And this morning, God wants to talk to us about that. How do we learn how to be content? Notice that Paul says he learned this secret. It wasn't something he was born with wasn't merely a matter of circumstances. He learned it. He didn't know it, and then he did know it. Through a process, he came to understand how and where contentment is found. God wants to talk to us about that this morning. I invited you to turn to Philippians 4. Listen to what he says. We've been learning about promises. This is the third week of learning about the things God has promised and the things he hasn't, and hearing about his invitation to plant our faith in an active way on the promises he has made and to distinguish those things about which he hasn't made promises so that we don't feel confused or betrayed when they don't come true. There's a lot of urban legends about what God has promised. We're discerning between those things in this series. 
And in Philippians chapter 4, God makes a very specific promise, church. Let's, let's learn it together. Beginning with verse 4, here's what the Bible says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That word gentleness is a rich word. Blessed are the meek you find in the Beatitudes. It means to be under authority in a disciplined way. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And here comes the promise. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, God gives us a promise here about how to overcome the anxiety that afflicts our time. You know, demographers tell us that the under 30 generation is unprecedented in history for the degree to which it struggles with anxiety. Despite all these blessings and benefits that we have in the modern world, there has never been a time in history when more people are prescribed more medication to deal with anxiety. And God says, hey, I want to help you with anxiety, worry, fear. I want to show you how to overcome it. And he does that through a promise. Now, when we read this verse, it's a familiar passage to many of us. But the way we tend to hear it is like this. Don't be anxious, but pray about things, and then God's peace will be with you. That's how we hear it. But when we hear it that way, we miss the center of gravity in this passage. It doesn't say pray about stuff and then you'll have peace. It says pray with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ. In other words, the, the, the dynamic element in it is not only prayer, but it is specifically thanksgiving. To put it another way, if you practice the discipline of giving thanks regularly and personally to God for all that he has given you, for all that has filled your life, it will transform the way you think and feel. Take that in for a moment. You say, I don't like the way I feel. God says, hey, there's a way out of the way you feel. And part of that root, the center of that root, in fact, is prayerful thanksgiving given regularly and personally to God. And church, understand, the promise includes this statement that the peace, it is a peace which transcends all understanding. You can't rationalize it. You can't explain it psychologically. You can't break it down into some sort of equation. It's deeper than that. It is spiritual. It has to do with your connection to a living God. And the scripture says that if I will offer my prayers to him bathed, wrapped in thanksgiving, given personally for all that he has given me, all that he has done for me, then out of that will flow a peace that passes understanding, a peace that transcends circumstances, a peace that is supernatural in nature. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. Now, I remember uh, uh, we shared before how the first 10 years of our marriage, Rhonda and I, uh, we, we, we labored through infertility. Uh, you know, we went through that whole challenge, which is very real. You may be going through that now. And part of that struggle was, you know, thinking to ourselves, wow, 
is it going to be our reality to never have the experience of being parents? And that was sad to contemplate. And that was, you know, something that we feared and worried about and had a lot of anxiety about. Well, without getting into the whole story, God worked providentially and, and, and we became parents. And, and I remember that there was a crisis in the middle of that. I don't have time to get into it, but it resulted in me praying harder than I'd ever prayed in my life, crying out to God, don't let this come apart. And it didn't. And the consequence is that to this very day, we will often look at each other and remember that time and go, wow, thank you, God. We got to be mom and dad. We got to experience that. And each time we go back into that memory and give thanks again, each time we're just overwhelmed with reality. We got to do it on Friday. Friday was our son's 25th birthday. <laughs> we got to celebrate with him and go, wow, remember what God did? Lord, thank you for doing that. It seemed impossible, and then it happened. And every time we go back into that Thanksgiving, there's a kind of peace about our whole life that flows in. There's a kind of rested settledness about everything else that comes in because of that moment, and it comes through the Thanksgiving that we offer. Church, how could we possibly thank God enough for all that we have? If you take a moment and reflect and look around in your life, you'll be overwhelmed with the amount of blessings you've been given. The scripture says life itself comes from him. In him we live and move and have our being. Every breath in our body flows from him. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift is from above, handed down from the Father of lights. So as you think about your kids or your friends or the roof over your head or the food in your belly or the clothing you wear or your ability to hope and dream and laugh and feel, all of that comes from God. All of that is a gift from him. But it's a gift about which we often become entitled <laughs> He owes me all this stuff. And on top of that, he owes me toilet paper and free video to the Himalayas. You know, we just think to ourselves, why don't I have that as well? And as a consequence, something happens to us that actually produces anxiety and worry. If we don't give thanks regularly, we will become entitled. Gordon McDonald talks about taking his three-year-old grandson to Chuck E. Cheese's for pizza and fun. And when the evening was over, Grandma and Grandpa were putting their grandson back in the car, and Grandma said, now, honey, be sure and tell Grandpa thank you for taking us to Chuck E. Cheese's, and Grandpa overheard that, so they got in the car, and he was kind of waiting, but no thank you came, and as they started the drive home, it was silent in the back seat, and so eventually Grandma said, honey, did you hear me? You should really thank Grandpa for taking you to Chuck E. Cheese's, but once again, there was just silence in the back seat. And Gordon writes about hearing this conversation going on. And finally, he said, you know, Papa likes doing nice things for his grandkids, and especially when he, they say thank you. You know, he's just the same way you as a parent or grandparent would be. You know it's good for them to say thanks. But still, there was more silence from the back seat. And finally, Grandma, getting just a little bit irritated, said, honey, are you ignoring me? And a little voice came from the back seat and said, no, I'm thankful. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> We're like that sometimes. We just fall into this habit of assuming that everything that's done for us should be done for us. And, 
and thanksgiving just kind of gets in the way. But the Bible teaches us to give thanks constantly for our own good. The psalmist writes, Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Allow your relationship to be transformed by the experience of regularly giving thanks to God. You know, Ron and I this weekend are celebrating 35 years of being married. And one of the things that, that has become just an absolute discipline in our home is that every single time she cooks breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever, every single time she makes a meal, when we're done, I say, man, thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for making that. Sometimes she gets mad at me. She's like, you may keep saying that. Stop saying that. You're just taking up time in our lives. But actually not, <laughs> actually not. The reality is every single time I thank her for that from my heart, not just a toss off, Every single time, our relationship grows. Our marriage grows. Every single time. For the same reason, God says, give thanks to me regularly in an ongoing way. It will change how you feel about our relationship. It will be good for you. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Sometimes she makes really bad stuff, <laughs> right? I found this recipe. I thought we'd try it. Ah, that's a sign, of, right? But the reality is I still have so much to be thankful for in that moment. And each time I say that, she says, you're welcome. That relationship grows. It's the same with us and God. It's the same with us and God. You see, here's the thing, church. We, we tend to assume that we'll say thanks when we really feel it. But that's not real. We assume that because we think that actions follow feelings. And so we wait to feel something and then we do it. But what God teaches us, the exact opposite. Feelings follow actions. So when you begin to do the thing, then the feelings follow it. It's after I tell her thanks for dinner that the feeling between us grows. Not before, not before, but after. And in the same way, God says, understand, Greg, that your, your walk with me, your experience of relationship with me flows out of you regularly giving thanks because your heart, your mind, your spirit needs it. And when Paul writes a few sentences later in Philippians chapter 4 about the effect of giving thanks regularly, here's what he says. We touched on it a moment ago. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. What secret is he talking about? He's talking about the secret of prayerful personal thanksgiving that he just spoke about in the preceding verses. That is where contentment flows. See, here's how it works. Every time you give thanks for what God has done in your life, each time you, you take the time to do that and you make it personal and it's from you and you, you talk about the specifics, each time you do that, what you're doing is remembering that he has given you so much in the past that you begin to know that he will also take care of you in the future. And as you remember what happened in the past and you realize, boy, I didn't see that coming, but God provided through it, then you look to the future and you go, well, I don't know how he's going to do it. But no matter what comes down the pike, I know he's going to meet me in the middle of it. Here's how the peace happens. 
But it doesn't happen if you don't remember. It doesn't happen if you don't go personally to him, regularly giving that thanks. I love how Thornton Wilder captures this. He writes, we can only be said to be fully alive when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. Yeah, it's the same idea. And in fact, this kind of habit of thanksgiving heals us far more than miracles ever can. Let me say that again. This practice of thanksgiving heals us from the inside out far more than a miracle in itself can. Why do I say that? Well, we see it in a moment in Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 17, where I invited you to turn this morning a little bit ago. Here's what the Bible says. It says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled through the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were supernaturally healed of leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now notice something. All ten were cleansed. All ten were healed of leprosy. But only one has Jesus saying about him, your faith has made you well. The word well is contrasted with the word cleansed in the original language. Cleanse has to do with physical healing. Well has to do with the spirit, the soul, as well as the body. In other words, the guy who gave thanks received far more than the nine who did not. This reality is deep and profound. There's a couple of details to notice here. First of all, notice in the beginning of the story how Jesus heals the men. He sends them to church. Go to the priests and tell them, and on the way, they were cleansed. That's an important detail. Jesus was always sending people back to church. He didn't allow people to use the excuse that the church has problems in order to avoid it. In fact, he said the opposite. Matthew 23 said, even when it's got problems, you should be there. Here's the simple truth. If you want more of God in your life, it's going to involve the rest of us. That's how God chooses to work. And often he will say to us, head back to church, and then meet us in the middle of it with healing. That's what happened for the ten, but only one received all he had to give. And that was the one who came with thanksgiving. Jesus helped all of these lepers, just like God is always helping all of us. The scripture says in, in the Lord's own words, he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So we're not just talking about us in this room, we're talking about the whole planet, but only some give thanks. The ones who do receive much more from him. You see, church, there is a direct link between our attitude, whether thanksgiving or entitlement, and the way our brains and bodies and spirits work. One of the lepers responded differently than the others and as a result received much more. That's what God is inviting us to experience. 
if you enter into the regular prayerful habit of giving thanks to him, it will transform your relationship with him. It will, to be very specific, cause your heart and mind to be guarded by a peace that passes understanding. And that is a beautiful thing. That's the difference between fear and courage in the face of the future. Church, understand, gratitude to God for his gifts isn't just a nice thing to do like sending a card on somebody's birthday. It is the difference between connecting to his power and not connecting to his power. The disciplined habit of prayerful thanksgiving will connect you to a power beyond yourself. That's the promise, and that's what God invites us to experience. Back before cell phones, Al Edmonds tells the story of how he got stuck on his motorcycle in the middle of Kansas when he was a young man. There he was by the side of the road on a rural uh, freeway with no gas and no money, staring at the empty prairie and wondering what he was going to do. It was cold, it was getting dark, and he was completely alone. That's when a local resident named Dan Carney came by in his pickup and saw him. And he not only saw him, he stopped, pulled over, happened to have some gas in a tank in the back of his truck, because all farmers drive around with this kind of thing in their truck. And he filled up his, uh, put enough gas in his tank to get him to the next town, gave him enough money to fill his tank, and then drove away. And in kind of the surprise of all that happening, Al said he managed to scribble Dan's name down on a piece of paper, and he wanted to just thank him afterwards in a significant way when he got home. But somewhere along the way, he lost it. And for the next 21 years, he writes, he lamented losing that piece of paper. All that time, he said, I felt bad about it. Every time I would remember it, I would think I really want to thank that guy in a significant way for what he did today. And he said, I really wanted to, but I couldn't because I couldn't find the piece of paper. But one day, 21 years later, he found the piece of paper stuffed in an old sweatshirt. I got to believe he was a bachelor if he still got a sweatshirt from 21 years ago. But he found the paper and he tracked Dan Carney down. And he paid him back with interest and he thanked him, took him to lunch, let him know how much that moment, that night had meant to him. A reporter got wind of it and that's how we know about it. And the reporter asked Mr. Carney how he felt. He said, man, it's unbelievable. The guy tracked me down all this way just to say thank you all this time later. The reporter asked Al how he felt about it and he says, you have no idea how much it thrilled my soul to finally say thanks. See, church, you and I live through the experience of thanksgiving. We are made to enjoy it. We are made to live on it. We are made to be filled by the power that flows into our lives when we offer it to the God who gives us everything we have and everything we are. Don't be anxious about anything, Greg, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding 
will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm almost done this morning, but last week, I said I was going to give you a testimony about last week. Last week, you may remember, we were praying for Ken Schroeder. Ken was the man in our church who'd had a stroke, who'd had surgery to deal with a stroke, and then who developed a septic infection. You may remember. And so last Sunday morning, we were praying for him, and he had been rushed to the hospital the night before, and he was in tough shape, and uh, you know, everything was on the line. And, and we prayed as a church, and because of his condition, they didn't want me to come to the hospital Sunday afternoon. But Monday morning, uh, first thing Monday morning, I was there in Tacoma to visit Ken. And as I drove over there that morning, I was thinking to myself, man, I've known Ken for, for 13 years, and, and um, boy, he's just, the report we had, he's just really in rough shape, and I was kind of bracing myself to walk into the room and see him withered by everything he was going through. Instead, when I walked into his hospital room, he was sitting up and laughing so loud you could hear it down the hallway. Him and the nurse were sharing some joke, and they were going on, and I walked in, and tear, Ken's eyes immediately filled with tears. He looked like a million bucks. I said, Ken, what's going on? You know, we heard you were all sick and stuff. We heard you were just at death's door. And he says, yeah, I was. He said, but Pastor Greg, I have to tell you the most amazing thing happened. He said, Sunday night I went to bed and they're pumping me full of antibiotics and the prognosis. I felt awful. And, you know, he said, uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up. And he said, Ken, I want you to pray for the guy in the next bed. And he said, Ken, I want you to pray for him because you have so much to be thankful for. And Ken said, as he began to give thanks to God and pray for the guy at the bed, he, he said he ended up being awake a couple of hours in the middle of the night, just praying for this guy and thanking God for his blessings. The nurses and doctors came in on Monday morning and said, hey, you look great, you look terrific. He actually went home Tuesday. Now, you can say, ah, oh, he was never really sick in the first place. Whatever. The reality is that he experienced something spiritual and supernatural. And he'll be the first one to tell you. He said, I had no idea that could happen. He said, I'm a changed man. Yeah, you and I will be when we practice prayerful thanksgiving personally to God. You and me have so much to be thankful for. So much. The only question is whether we give thanks for it or not. God says, if you do, Greg, what I will do inside of you as a consequence passes all understanding. I will anchor your heart, anchor your mind in a peace that will remain with you no matter who gets elected president no matter what the economy does, it'll be with you even if the Seahawks lose this afternoon, right? I mean, we're talking about a peace that passes understanding. And God makes the promise to me and to you that if we will regularly practice Thanksgiving, that's what we'll experience. And so this morning, God says, hey, do you do that? Now, let me warn you about something before we close. It's very often the case that what we do is we come and we hear this and we go oh wow yeah I see how that works oh that's amazing yeah here's what God I see how that works cool and we file it away in our heads and then we go home and we don't do it we don't we just say oh yeah I see how that works and then later on we go you know I've heard so much preaching about anxiety but it never works it doesn't work because you didn't do it James says don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself but do what it says. And so I want to challenge us as you go home today. 
to begin doing this regularly. God, thank you that I got to be a mom and dad. Well, one or the other, right? Just one, but yeah. <laughs> thank you that I have a roof over my head. And I have clothes and I have food and I can call the Himalayas whenever I want. God, hallelujah for toilet paper. Somebody say amen. I'm being a little silly, but I'm also being very serious. We have so much to be thankful for, but only when we personally, prayerfully give thanks do we experience the peace. But the promise is that we will, if we do. Can I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and for the strong promise that you give us. God, teach us to be a people who give thanks to you personally regularly remembering your faithfulness that we might know the peace that passes understanding. God, I, I pray for those who are afflicted with anxiety and worry. Teach them that you will heal them in their thanksgiving. That you will heal them in their gratitude to you. And God, help us go from here not just filing away a fact in the back of our heads, but understanding that if we do this, we will experience your promise. We pray for that. We ask it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? Yeah. Yeah. It's such real stuff.